Hey, it is a good time. It is great to be in this Advent season. As many of you guys know, the Advent season is that four weeks prior to Christmas that we take just to focus on, on uh, make sure that our eyes are fixed on the right things during Christmas. It's easy to get lost during all the crazy, right? So you have all these plans to make and all these places to go and all these people to see and all these gifts to buy and all these sales to try and take advantage of or find the best prices. And in the midst of that, sometimes we forget that God has already given the gift that mattered. You know, that first, that first Christmas, it was kind of easy because um, nobody saw it coming, right? right? So they didn't have to do all this stuff, but now we, you know, it takes till halfway through October, we gotta start getting ready. So um, it's good to just focus on those things, those themes like, like hope and joy and peace and love. So uh, we're gonna do that this morning. You know, when the angel... Uh, first came and announced Jesus' birth to the shepherds on that first Christmas day, it says that there's this whole army of angels, and it uses that word that really, it means this army of angels that show up, and they are shouting. Now, if you've ever heard an army shout, it's a little more raucous than, you know, you know it, it's kind of like, it, it's crazy, because it's all rah, you know, and, and, and it said they were shouting, and the thing that they were shouting was interesting, because they said, they said, glory to God and peace on earth. Peace on earth among the men and women towards whom God's favor and affection are directed, right? Glory to God and peace on earth. Now, it's an interesting thing to say because peace, I mean, we, we talk about it at Christmas. We're gonna talk about it this morning. We, we, it says, you know, even internationally, we say that we're, we're, um, we're aiming for peace. We form huge organizations like the UN to try and keep peace. But if you look at something over the history of mankind that has constantly, regularly eluded us, it would be peace, right? I mean, it eluded those who were before Jesus' day. Jesus came, the angel said, peace on earth. And everybody was, yay, it's about time. And then it didn't happen then. And it's eluded us ever since, right down to our day. And we say, okay, so, you know, what were the angels talking about? You know, if I were to, last week I asked you a question. I said, how many of you guys could use a little bit more hope in your life? Well, this week I could modify it a little bit and say, how many of you guys feel like you could use a little bit more peace in your life? How many of you look around this world and say, you know, I think we could all use a little bit more peace in our lives? So what was the angel talking about? And, and what was God talking about? Because God was the one who sent the angels to give that message. And they proclaimed, they said, hey, peace, peace on earth, right? What did they mean? Well, that's what we're gonna look at today. So uh, stand with me. We're gonna look again at those words in Isaiah 40 that were read. Um, sometimes I, I, you know, when I read these words, some of you guys, uh, you try and follow in your, your Bibles and stuff, and we're in Isaiah 40, one through five, but sometimes you go, what version are you reading from? Um, a lot of times I'm pulling, I just want you guys to know this, I'm pulling from a lot of different versions that are out there um, because I, I really want us to hear maybe some of the pieces in this that... Um, that don't come out in any one version. That, and I wanna bring some things out so that we might hear these words that God said. Now, he starts out, Isaiah 40, verse one through five. says, comfort, comfort my people, says your God. That's the command. He's telling us to do that. I want you to remember those words. Comfort my people, says your God. Because we're gonna come back to that. Speak kindly to Jerusalem, Call out to her that her wartime service has ended, that her iniquity has been removed, 
that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all of her sins. A voice is calling out, clear a pathway for the Lord in the wilderness. Make smooth a highway in the desert for our God. Let every valley be lifted up. Let every mountain and hill be brought low and let the rough ground become smooth and the rugged terrain a broad valley. Then the glory of the Lord will be revealed and all flesh will see it together for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. You know, when Isaiah, he looked into the future and God gave him this vision to see this time and this day when the glory of the Lord would come and what he said was that um, when God's... uh, Glory was revealed prior to that happening. He said there was this incredible engineering project that had to happen. He had to have this, this, this highway that was gonna be built. And it was a highway that required that you take these valleys and you filled them up and you take these mountains and you, you knock them down and you, you take these, these places that are rough and you smooth them out and you take these very... Con- constrictive places and you make them broad like a broad valley so that there's enough room on this highway for all of the people that God would be bringing into his glory and back to their home, to the place that he intended. And said, then God's glory would arrive and everyone would see it as he established his kingdom, his kingdom of justice, his kingdom of glory, his kingdom of peace. His kingdom of peace. So when we... What we see here is, you know, peace isn't something that just kind of arrives on its own, right? It doesn't just show up. Even God said, you know what, peace is gonna take, it's gonna take a lot, it takes work. Do you guys agree with that? Peace takes work, it takes intention, it takes preparation, it takes, it takes transformation, it takes transformation of our hearts, it takes transformation of our world. And God says that there's this work to be done before we see his his glory come in and all of his, and that work is where he sees those who are opposed to him, his, the enemies defeated, enemies like, like pride, enemies like arrogance, those mountains that are raised up, enemies like injustice and oppression, those, those places where those who are low are raised up. He says it takes this work because peace comes only when God triumphs. Right? When God's triumph is, is seen in us and seen in our world and seen through us, when God triumphs, then there's peace. This morning, the message is titled, Peace, the Evidence of Victory. Amen? Amen. Father, uh, this morning, uh, we do. We look around. We look in our world. And, and we don't even have to look outside of our own lives sometimes. And we just, we know we need peace. And we're looking for that peace where we are coming and Lord, we pray and we ask for your peace. We, we ask of God, what, what will it take? What will it take to see your peace brought to this earth? What will it take for people to finally live in the midst of that, that fullness of the peace that you intended? And Father, we want to, this morning, we want to hear from you because We want to know what will it take for us to be the type of people that can join with you to bring that peace and to see that work done, that highway built that brings all of your people back to that place that you intended for them, that that home, that life, that, that peace. So, Father, this morning we pray that our ears would be open, that our hearts would be open to receive 
that message, that word that your spirit has to speak to us, that he would fill this place and he would speak clearly to our hearts and deeply to our hearts because we need to be transformed. The, the problem of the lack of peace isn't just out there. It's also in us. So Father, do your work in us. Make us the people that then can go in your name and join with Jesus to continue that work in the power of your spirit to bring peace. Pray these things for your glory, Father, in the name of your Son, Jesus, by the power of your Spirit. Amen. Amen. Have a seat. So I think we can all agree that, um, you know, when we look around this world, one of the things that's that's fairly obvious to us is that uh, our world is in desperate need of peace. I think we could all agree that when we look in our own lives, that one of the things that we need is we need more peace. And so when we read a passage like this and we we understand that God is is seeking to bring in peace and his angels are proclaiming peace and we go, okay, so what is God talking about? One of the first things we need to understand is what is this peace that he's talking about that he has brought in that's coming in. And so on the night that the angels came, this word that they used is, is, is a different kind of a word because it was, this, it was probably an Aramaic word that was the language that was used, but it was based kind of on the same root as this Hebrew word that some of you guys have heard, shalom. And shalom, we say, well, that's the Hebrew word for peace. But shalom means something very different than our English word for peace. Because in English, peace just means that you're, you don't have any conflict, right? You don't have any internal conflict. That's inner peace. You don't have any external conflict. That's peace around you. But in, in Hebrew, shalom meant something way beyond that. It meant not only do you, are you not in conflict with your neighbors, but you actually have great relationships with your neighbors. That's Shalom. Shalom means that not only do you not have any conflict going on inside, but your mind is actually is settled. It's in a good place. Your, your body is healthy. You're not suffering the aches and pains. You got, a, you got a great crop in your field. All your relationships within your family, with your kids and with your parents and with your spouse, all, all your, your, they're good. They're solid. They're healthy. They're happy. That's Shalom. Shalom is when you look around and you realize that you've been brought into the fullness of everything that God intended for life to be. Shalom was when the perfection of heaven seemed to break into the brokenness of the earth and won, won the struggle that there is. So shalom is this fullness. And so shalom meant not only that, that God's favor was on us or that God hoped for his favor, but that somehow God had come near and it brought with him the fullness of his favor because he was working it in his power so that all that he had intended for us, the goodness and the fullness of the life that he had intended was accessible to us. That's, that's shalom. So how many of you, not just how many of you could use a little bit more peace, but how many of you could use a little bit of shalom in your life, right? I think we all could. You know, at the time that Isaiah was writing his book, uh, Israel was not, they weren't experiencing shalom. In fact, they were surrounded on all sides by enemies. They looked outside of their borders. They found all these people that were threatening and attacking and, and, and kind of 
bringing devastation on them. But then they looked inside and they, they saw only injustice and, and deceit. And, and, and they saw that, so it didn't matter if you went outside or you came on the inside, there was this lack of shalom. And things were getting torn up. And because of that, cities were being sacked. And, and as the armies came through, the, the crops were being trampled. And so the people, you know, the in, inside of the communities was divided anyway. But then the people were starving because the food was gone. And then the armies would come and they were being killed and they were being hauled off to captivity. And so all of this chaos is going on all around. And in the midst of that, in chapter 6, Isaiah, he says, you know, he had this vision. And he was caught up to the throne room of God. And when he's standing before the throne of God, he says he sees these amazing, these powerful angelic beings called seraphs. And the word seraph, really, it means just a, a burning one. It was the only way to describe them. They were like just this big burning, just fire, this torch that was just flaming all the time. And as, as terrifying as that was, he said they had these six wings and with two of them, they covered their eyes to shield themselves from the intense glory of God. I mean, these were hard enough to look at, but then the, there was the glory of God and they humbly, and they covered them, their feet in, in humility with two of the, their wings and then with two others, they flew, not even daring to step on the holy ground that was the temple of God. And these are these beings, and they're calling out to one another. And as they're calling out to each other, all of heaven, it says, is shaking with the sound. And they're calling out, holy, 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 which means unlike any other, unique, so far beyond and above and unimaginably its own, holy, set apart is the Lord. The Lord, the leader of heaven's armies. These armies that showed up at Jesus' birth and then they called out peace on earth, right? It says, holy is the Lord, the leader of this army. And then they say this, they say these words, this line. The fullness of the whole earth is his glory. Now, often this line is translated, the whole earth is full of his glory, Right? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. I, I think that really misses the point of the passage. I think it misses the point of the book because what it gives you is this picture that chaos is happening on earth and devastation is coming to God's people. And in the meantime, what's happening is heaven is that is God is blissfully and, and just obliviously sitting on his throne and these angels are crying out and they're saying how wonderful you are, God, and how beautiful is your earth as if nothing's happening, but that's not what they said. They said, no, no, the Lord is holy. But the fullness of his earth, is his, the fullness of the whole earth is his glory. What they're saying is, you know what? God, doesn't, God is not glorified when there's brokenness, when there's chaos, when shalom doesn't reign. God isn't glorified. God is glorified when there's the fullness, when there's life as he intended, when the crop is in the field, when the cities are safe, when, when there is no injustice, but justice rules, when righteousness reigns, that's when God is glorified. The fullness of the whole earth is his glory. God's glory is seen where there's shalom, where there's peace. You guys, that's why the angels, when they came and Jesus was born, they were saying the same thing. They said, glory is to God now. Why? Because peace has come to earth. 
He started his project. He's bringing peace into earth. He is bringing glory to himself. You know, if you remember back in Isaiah 59 when we read it and it said, you know, there was no peace. And God said, you know, and I'm going to bring it myself. And so he was going to rise up. And the angels are crying out. They said, you know, glory to God because there's peace on earth. Peace is being brought to earth and to the men and women upon whom his favor rests, upon whom his best intentions and plans are directed, upon whom his constant affection lies. Glory to God. And you guys, we need to know that, don't we? We need to know that God isn't sitting blissfully in heaven in the midst of all his glory, in the midst of all these, these angels and just receiving praise and worship and just completely oblivious to the fact that when our life is falling apart or our world is full of violence and chaos, that he's not just sitting up there ignorant of all that's going on, but instead all of heaven is shaking with the constant reminder, you know what, my intention is to bring wholeness, is to bring peace, is to bring shalom to the earth. That has always been his his intent to bring peace to the people upon whom his favor rests. So the angels cry out. But we say, okay, so that's his intention. And so Jesus came, but, but how, how, is that, how is that peace brought in? Well, in Isaiah, in a passage that BJ had read earlier in Isaiah 9, 6, God says, you know what? This child's gonna be born. A son is going to be given and the government of this kingdom, of this kingdom of peace is going to be on his shoulders. He's going to bring it in. He's going to establish it. He's going to start this work. And he said, and these are the names that he's going to be called. These are amazing names. Listen to what he says. He will be called the one who brings plans in that are beyond our comprehension. He's the wonderful counselor. His counsel, his plans, and he says, okay, this is what we're gonna do. We go, I couldn't even have imagined that because he's the wonderful counselor. He is the God who comes in and is able to do that which he set out to do because he's the mighty God. He's the one, I want you to hear this one, the one whose compassion blows out so far beyond the boundaries of where we thought it would stop towards us because he is the eternal father. And he is the champion of God's shalom, the prince of peace. He's the one that's gonna bring it in. He said this baby would be born. You know, when we read in Isaiah 59, God said, you know, my people don't know the paths of peace. They don't know the ways of justice. And because of that, they're walking in this darkness. They can't see a thing and they're lost. And everywhere they turn, they cannot even do the good that they need to do. And it, but it says, and God was not okay with leaving us in that place. He wasn't okay with just leaving us there in that darkness and in that powerlessness and in that devastation. But instead he said, I'm going to rise up and I'm going to come as a warrior and I'm going to bring in this salvation. I am going to rescue them. Well, that one who said, I'm going to rise up, he said, that is that child. He says, yeah, and I'm going to come like a child, like a little one. And I'm going to be the champion of God's shalom. I'm going to be the prince of peace, God's warrior, 
God, when he takes on human form and he's born as a baby in order that he might come in and defeat the enemies of peace so that he might bring in his kingdom of peace. That's why the angels, when they sat there and they said, what's the thing that we, that, what is the only thing we can say right now is glory has come to God because peace has come to earth. His champions arrived and he's bringing in his kingdom of peace. You know, in the book of Isaiah, a picture that he regularly uses, a metaphor, kind of this illustration of what God's peace and bringing his peace in is like, he says it's kind of like um, it's this picture of the captives of Israel because at the time, you know, Israel was surrounded and a bunch of them had been taken into captivity and a bunch of them would have, you know, they would be taken into captivity. These were like these prisoners of war, these refugees that had been scattered from their home. And he said, peace, God bringing in his peace is gonna be like when God brings them back home. It's gonna be like when the redeemed and the refugees make their way back to their home, to their city. They come with shouting into Zion. He says, and this joy is going to be on them. They're going to, their mouths are going to be full. And he's, he said it was going to be like when these scattered refugees were brought back to this, the city of Jerusalem, a city whose name means Yerushalem, means the city of Shalom, the city of peace. Even that was a picture of people being brought into the very peace of God. But he said, you know what? To get these captives there, to get the number of people that are separated from God, the number of people that have been scattered because of, and it wasn't just talking about the physical people of God getting back to Jerusalem. It was talking about this is a picture of God redeeming people back into the life that he intended for them. And he said, that's going to take a huge highway because he intends to save a lot of them. He said, and you're gonna have, we're going to have to see mountains taken down and valleys filled in and, and these, these rough places smoothed out. And we're going to have to see these very constrictive places made broad into broad valleys because of the number of people, the size of highway that we're going to need to see God bring in his peace. So he could bring his people to a, his place of peace, that city of peace. You guys, <laughs> another thing we need to know we need to know that you know, and this is God's plan. He is committed to it. He wants us to find that life that he intended for us. You know, we see that, I, I constantly bring up, what, Psalm 23, we miss so much of what God says there. But one of the things that he says is he says, you know, when I'm in the valley of the shadow, I won't fear any evil. Why? Because he's with me. Who? My shepherd. And what do I know about my shepherd? He has one thing on his mind, and that's get me to green pastures and still waters. He's going to find the best, best path there. And I wouldn't be in this valley if it wasn't the best way to get me from where I was to where he wants me to be, which was in this good place. You guys, we need to know that God wants us to experience his glory, which is the fullness of the earth. He wants us to experience that. That's his plan. 
And he's calling us to it. In Romans 3.23, it says that all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Many of us know that verse, but what glory of God is it talking about? It's talking about the glory where he said, his glory is the fullness of the earth. We've fallen short of the peace of God. Why? Because of our sin, because of the broken ways we think, because of the broken ways we act, because of the broken ways we treat each other, because of the broken ways we respond, because of the brokenness inside and the brokenness we're handed. We fall short of it. He says that's why, he, why Jesus came, was to redeem us, to save us out of that, to build this highway that was big enough for all of us to get back to this place, this place of peace, this place of the glory of God. So he didn't leave us there, right? Jesus came. That's why the angels were shouting. Because Jesus came, he came to build the highway. (laughs) He came to be the highway. He came to lead us on the highway so that we might find that life that God had intended. Isaiah 11 and 61, they go on and they say, and the spirit of the Lord was on him. The very power of God was on him to accomplish these things. It says that that was the power. He came and he, he lifted up those those people that were downtrodden, those people that were broken, he lifted up those valleys, didn't he? Isaiah 11, it said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me to bind up the brokenhearted, to to, um, proclaim freedom to the prisoners, to speak to the oppressed and say, you know what? To speak to them the good news of their release. But then also it said that he came and he, we see in his life where he brought the mountains low. Well, he stood against those who were the oppressors. He stood against those and he called down those who stood as obstacles to those people trying to get into the kingdom of heaven. He says, woe to you Pharisees and scribes who not only do you not get into the kingdom yourself, but you don't let anybody else in it either. Woe to you. Says that his words were like a rod of iron that struck the earth and it broke the earth so that the mountains would be brought low. It says that he made smooth the pathway leading to God. He opened up this he gave us this invitation so that there weren't all these bumps and these things that we couldn't cross over. That thing, It wasn't too rough of a highway for us to travel. He made it smooth. He smoothed it out. How? Well, he removed all the barriers that stood between us and God. How? By his own death, by his own blood, by laying down his own life, his life. It says he came from glory itself and he made himself low in order to raise us up so that we might know that highway, that, that smooth way into God's freedom, into God's intended life. And I love this one. It says, and he made the pathways that were too tight, too cramped for us to get through. He made them broad and open. You know, there are two times in the New Testament where Jesus said, uh, things are too tight for you to get through. One, in Matthew 7, 14, Jesus said, you know what? The gate that leads to righteousness, that leads to life, is too narrow. It's impossibly narrow. There are only a few who find it. In fact, there's only one who really ever found it. He says, it's too narrow for you. you. Say, well, then we're lost. They said, no, because then in 2 Corinthians 5, 21, you know what it says that he did? He found that, and then he became the gate. He became the new gate. He became the broad gate, the gate that led to life. He became the life so that he gave us his righteousness that we couldn't find on our own. We couldn't ever be good enough. And so he was good enough, and he said, and, and he makes his righteousness. He reckons it as our righteousness now. So his righteousness became became ours and he took our sin and our brokenness 
And he took that to the cross. So he took this impossibly narrow and he made it wide enough that we could come through. It says in, in Mark 10, 25, it says, you know, it's easier for a camel to get through the eye of a needle than for a wealthy man to get to heaven. You guys, if you are here this morning and you drove a car here this morning, if you had a meal maybe this morning or intend on having one sometime today, if you have clothes on your body right now that you didn't have to wear yesterday and perhaps the whole month before that, you're wealthy compared to the rest of this world. He says it's easier for a camel to get through the eye of a needle than for us to get into heaven. And his disciples heard that and they go, God, Jesus, then who can be saved? He said, you know what? For people, it's impossible, but for God, all things are possible. He's made a way for a camel to get through the eye of a needle. He's made a way for even those who have way too much that possibly could be those mountains that stand in the way, that get in the way. It could be those things that trip us up on our way to Jesus. He's made a way through that for us to find his life because he's taken the impossible and made it possible so that he might bring us to peace. That's the highway that he was building that would be level enough, that would be smooth enough, that would be wide enough that we could actually find our way into the peace that God had always intended to us. So what what does that mean? What does that mean for us? Well, in Isaiah 40, in that first verse, remember I told you, remember that first verse because God says, comfort my people. Comfort my people, says the Lord. And that was a command. It's a command. It's a command to us. And comfort in, in the Old Testament, comfort doesn't mean that you come alongside people that are in the distress of their life and you just say, you know, just, just endure, just, just persevere, just, you know, we'll make it through. That's not comfort. Comfort, when God talks about comfort, comfort is when he takes a desert and he makes a garden out of it. Makes something that you never expected. It can never do on its own. He makes a garden out of it. Comfort is when he takes an army of dry bones that are scattered on the desert and he makes an army of living, moving beings. out. Comfort is when he takes death and he, he, he makes resurrection. So it's not just a life that will die again, but it's a life that lives forever. Comfort's when he takes sorrow and despair and no hope for the future. And instead he, he He replaces it with joy. It says when the redeemed of the Lord come and they come with shouting into Zion that everlasting joy is gonna be on their head. A joy that will never end is gonna be on their head. Comfort is when he takes the waste places like a desert where we look around and we say, how can there ever be any peace? And he makes a highway of peace, a smooth, broad, straight highway of peace for people to find their way to peace. So what, is, what does that look like? What does it look like? And Matthew, well, Matthew, Jesus began his, his building of this highway. He began this teaching of this kingdom. He began his ministry. And one of the first things he taught in Matthew to his disciples in Matthew 5, 9, it says, blessed are those, are the peacemakers, right? He said some other things, but blessed are the peacemakers, having to do with peace. Peacemakers, not peace recognizers, He didn't say, blessed are those who recognize peace nine out of 10 times. He didn't say, blessed are those who hope for peace or wish for peace or long for peace. And blessed are those who make peace. 
Blessed are those who join with him to do the hard work of the preparation and the transformation of making peace. That's what it's gonna take to be the people that can comfort, can bring God's comfort, and to be those people that are actually experienced the comfort of God. It's to be these peacemakers. And what does that look like? Well, the first is, the first thing is it means that we let God do his work of peace in us. So one of the things that we all have to look at Now, we love it when God comes in and he takes those low places of our lives and he lifts them up, right? We love when he takes those broken places of our lives and he makes them better. We don't always like when he takes those high places in our life that we think are our our greatest strengths, right? Our, our, Our best abilities, our smartest ideas, our best thoughts. And he says, no, that's standing in the way of my kingdom. It needs to come down. We don't like when he takes down the mountains, do we? But we need him to do all of his work in us. So how many times do you look in your life and you say, you know what, I I think there's a bit of pride here and it needs to be taken down, right? That mountain needs to get out of the way because it's getting my way of finding the life that God intended for me. Maybe it's a a stubbornness and you know that, you know what, I need to forgive this person. I'm not going to because of my stubbornness. It's a mountain and it needs to come down. Maybe there's a bit where, where you have this power or authority that you've been given and you've been lording it over people instead of using it for what God intended it for when he gave it to you, which is to use it on behalf of others in order to lift them up, in order to bring them into peace, to leverage it for their benefit and for their good as God wanted to. And that mountain needs to come down. Or maybe there are valleys in your life. Maybe there are those places where you say, you know, I know why God loves other people, but I can't see why he loves me. I can't see, I'm, I'm worthless. When he says, no, you have, you, have, you have so much, you have infinite value to him. That's what he says. Oh yeah, but he must be, I can see why God loves other people because they, they're so significant, but I, I just, I mean, I don't, I don't matter. It doesn't matter if I show up, if I do anything, it doesn't matter. There's nothing I contribute. And God says, no, you're... You're vital to him working his purposes in this earth. And the valley needs to be raised up so that you see yourself for who God sees you and not just this. Or maybe there's this place where sadness has sidelined you and you just can't get out of this place of sorrow. Maybe it's somewhere where this, an addiction or, or some kind of a, a fear has taken you captive and you can't find release. And you need to let God speak his word, his word of freedom, his word of release in Jesus to, to raise that valley up and to set you free so that you might find his peace. Let him do his work of peace in you. But then second, we need to, join with him to do the hard work of making peace in the lives of others as well, right? We need him to do that work of peace in us so that we can be as his vessels of peace, as people of peace, but then we need to turn out and do the work of peace in the lives of others. So as we look around and we say, you know, where are the downtrodden that need to be lifted up? Well, lift them up, right? Where are those, those proud ones who need to be challenged? Well, Challenge them. Do that work and don't challenge them from your own pride. Challenge them just with, sometimes it's just making known to them, you know what? You know what? Jesus is the king. 
And the kingdom of peace, letting people know just the joy, but also the challenge of knowing the kingdom of peace, the prince of peace, he has broken into this broken world now. And he is changing everything. And we're accountable to that. We've been invited into the life of peace ourselves, but we've also been challenged to make sure that we don't stand as hindrances to it. So let people know that. You guys, I think that there is a special challenge in that one to us. Just, just think about this Christmas season. How many of you guys are gonna be spending time with friends or family, right? Are there any dynamics in those environments sometimes that may need to be brought into better alignment with God's peace? How many of you guys have relationships with it's sometimes it's within your own family. Sometimes with people that you've been friends with for a long time and something's come up where it's just, it's tweaked and it's gotten out. How many of you guys have those within your family that you know God would love to use you to be that, that messenger of or that pathway, that highway that shows them that his peace is available to them and to bring that peace in and to do that hard work? Even this Christmas, during this season, so one, let God do the work of peace in you. Two, let God do the work of peace through you in the lives of others. And the third is this. As we do this, remember what peace really is. When God talks about peace, you know, we call a lot of things peace in our world, but there are, there are three things I want us to remember about peace. One, peace is always, it's always, God's peace is always two-sided, right? If if I bring a peace that's good for me, but it causes devastation to everybody else around me, that's not peace. That's not God's peace. That's not the peace that he calls us to. Usually, <laughs> it comes where I lay something down, where something's brought low in me, or something that, that, that then makes a way. I sacrifice something so that peace might be opened up. Because if peace is one-sided, it's not God's peace. Peace is always two-sided. Peace is always two-pronged, <laughs> two-pronged. Like I said, we love when God lifts up the broken things, but we don't like it when he flattens the places of pride, the places of our, we call our strength. But we need to let God do his full work. Peace is two-sided, it's two-pronged, but peace always has one source, one source. And it's when that prince, that champion of peace is involved. Right? The one source is always, is always in this relationship with God. That's where peace is found. He calls us back to his city of peace where it says this is where he will take the throne, where he will sit, where he will rule, where we will know him as our father and as our savior, as our king. That's where peace is found. It's in this place of relationship with Jesus. He is our peacemaker, right? He is our Prince, our champion of shalom. So peace on, peace on earth has started with Jesus, right? He brought it in. He started this project of building this highway and preparing this highway. He became the highway. He leads us on the highway, but he calls us into that same work. He calls us to be his people of peace, to have the work done in us, to do that work through us, to bring peace wherever we go, to do the hard work and join Jesus to lay out this, this highway so that the, the refugees, so that the ransomed, the redeemed can return and come with singing into God's place of peace.
those people, those men and women upon whom his favor has always rested. His intentions have always been towards for good. And the angels sang out, they said, glory to God. Glory is now to God, the fullness of his glory because the fullness of his peace has entered this earth, has begun. Amen?